Do you ever feel like you are waiting for the circumstances of your life to change? Like if I can just get that job promotion or a new job, if my relationship status changes, if I can just get this person out of my life or I don't have to be around them anymore, then, then I can live well, then I can live peacefully, then I can be healthy, then I can have or feel worth then I can be overjoyed, right? So this sense of sometimes we are waiting for our circumstances to change before we can find, have, or be. It's kind of like the song by John Mayer, waiting for the world to change. And so as we think about that at different times, I remember as a kid, can't, couldn't wait to grow up. I, as soon as I get older, I can, I can be or even on a smaller sense of going, you know, if I just get this certain gift for Christmas, then I will be happy. At some point in our lives, we felt that push, that pull. We maybe even have felt that excuse making like, well, I can be healthy when, you know, January 1, when we make all those promises, we make those New Year's resolutions and that sense of we keep waiting until our circumstances change for us to achieve, to become, to have whatever it is, that peace, that love, that contentment, that worth. And what happens when our circumstances actually don't change? When it just keeps being the same old, same old, or maybe they did and we still don't find ourselves happy or content, just like the gift, got that gift for Christmas, but. I wasn't any happier. And so when we are looking at the story of Easter, when we are examining, when we are celebrating, it's this sense that the circumstances of the world did change, but does that actually mean anything for us today? I mean, it's a really great story and we get to have a little bit of fun, right? How many Easter egg hunts we've been on, maybe even we've enjoyed the candy. It's this sense of beauty, of light and bright. Spring is coming, but really deep down, does it change anything for us? On an everyday kind of thing, does it change the way that we work? Does it change the way that our families are functioning? Does it change the way that we feel about certain things? Does it change anything about our day to day? And so we're going to get into this story. Specifically, we're going to look at the resurrection story in Matthew. All four Gospels have differences in the resurrection story. All of them highlight some different things. And at times they can feel that they are certainly at odds with one another, but they're trying to highlight a particular understanding. And so for today, we're gonna to look at Matthew's version of it because it has some details in it that the others don't because it's trying to highlight this whole thing of, wait a minute, oh, I think, or the world has changed or, or has it and and how do we begin to react or understand it because if Easter really has changed anything how does it change our everyday going coming 
reactions, words, the way that we function today. Once we leave this moment, once we are back in the swing of things on Monday, how does it begin to change even when maybe our circumstances, where we live, where we work, who's in our realm of relationships, maybe we, we don't deal with those so well, or maybe they're really good, but how does it change our circumstances in a way that we don't have to wait anymore for the world to change. So starting in Matthew verse, chapter 28, verses 1 through 4. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. All right, so Matthew's story, only one where there's an earthquake. There, it's the only one where there are these guards here. And it's like trying to give us a sense of this is a really unexpected moment. Mary and Mary Magdalene have shown up. They are, they're curious. Other gospel stories tell us that, you know, they're there to prepare Jesus' body. But here, here they show up and something unexpected has happened. This great earthquake, and, and an earthquake can feel very disconcerting. So think about that. The disconcerting moments that facilitate fear in our lives. The circumstances where we go, oh, I don't like this. Like we can feel the hair on the back of our neck raising, going, what in the world is happening? And maybe we have a few words to add into that of, oh, <laughs> right? So here they show up, this happens, and these words of, right so the the whole thing of coming to the stone he rolled it away and sat on it now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow this was the angel from the lord and angel just means messenger and this sense of god's presence is here and it's so bright it is so different than what they have expected that the women don't know what in the world's happening they have fear but the guards, the guards are here to really highlight this fear. They shook with fear and became like dead men. So often, right, we have fear bubble up within us when we don't know what in the world is happening. And I talked a little bit about that on April 3rd, about how courage and fear are at work and how we can kind of move through fear, looking at different teachings of Jesus. And here we see that. We see how fear can really change the way that we are about to understand the world around us. And Mary and Mary Magdalene are going to have to make sense of this. And the guards have to make sense of it as well. But here's where the story is going to diverge. Where it shows us that in this particular situation, that as they experience this, something that they can't explain, something that they've never had happen before, that they're going to take two very different ways of handling it. And the problems that the guards are going to have that kind of helps us understand with 
How do we make it through our circumstances? How do we get through? How do we notice that change, but don't remain in the fear? Don't remain stuck. Don't keep waiting for the world to change because it's not going according to our plans. Continuing on in Matthew 28, 5 through 10. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples he's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. All right, so we get this twice. Once from this messenger of God, of God's presence of don't, don't be fearful. And the women are still like, uh, we don't know what's going on, but okay, this kind of sounds exciting. Um, I think things are changing and we don't exactly know how. They see Jesus who then says, hey, don't be afraid, right? Like he reiterates this, don't be afraid. Because this moment, this experience is so out of the ordinary. It's not anything that they could have predicted, even though they get this whole like, you know, Jesus kind of talked about this, that something was going to change, that love cannot die, that God's love cannot be held by death, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Like, Jesus is like totally in the moment, but they still don't know exactly how this is working, how this is going, and he's trying to help them move through. Jesus is like, okay, don't be afraid, even though I know you are, and that doesn't mean you won't be, but I'm trying to be a reassuring, which Jesus often was in his ministry. He was always trying to be an encouragement, trying to lift people up, and so here he's trying to encourage once again, and he's like, hey, go tell my brothers, which he's talking about, go tell the apostles. Go tell them what's going to happen and I'm going to, uh, we're all gonna meet up. And to think about that, of this moment of the women aren't meant to keep this in isolation, that they aren't going through this alone, and that they're trying to make sense of what in the world is happening. And so when we think about Easter for ourselves, right, we probably know the story. Maybe, um, you know, we have certain rituals every year. Maybe we have particular things we like to eat, like lamb. Uh, or maybe we have particular gatherings or the Easter egg hunt. But how does this story actually change us, actually change anything about the way that we are living in to the circumstances, the situations, the reality of this world that is so complex and so problematic at times, is so painful that sometimes we just want to escape, that we feel like, how is there still love? Like there's so much anger, there's so much hate, there's so much back and forth vitriol that we go, how in the world did Easter change 
anything, how does it change it for you? How do you feel like it does? Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe Easter is just a really great time to, to put on some fun clothes, to wear great hats, or to be able to eat Cadbury cream eggs, which are my particular favorite, right? They only come out this time of year. And so maybe we've reduced it to, eh, it's a good story that we tell every year, but does it change anything? The women, Mary and Mary Magdalene, are now gonna have to go talk to the other apostles, and they're gonna have to start to figure this out. What in the world does this change about the way that we are going about our lives? How does this change what we expected? Because they had gone through this very painful moment at the cross. They saw their best friend die. They are in the middle of grief, and now the trajectory of their lives is going even in yet another direction that they could have never predicted because here we are getting a sense that love cannot die, that peace cannot be overtaken by darkness, that joy really can fill us no matter what because those are things from God. But they still don't totally know what that means and so for ourselves as we're thinking about that as we're trying to go okay does this mean something more continuing on in verses 11 through 15 now as the women were on their way some of the guards came into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened they met with the elders and decided to give a large sum of money to the soldiers. They told them, say that Jesus' disciples came at night and stole his body while you were sleeping. And if the governor hears about this, well, we'll take care of it with him. So you'll have nothing to worry about. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were told. And this report has spread throughout all of Judea to this very day. All right. So the women are taking one path. They're trying to make sense of this whole thing. They're getting other people involved to try to make sense of how their world, their lives are changing because Jesus is alive. Love cannot die. God is still with them. Jesus is still present in their every day. And they, they don't know what that means, just as we struggle with knowing what does that mean. And here we see the guards, the way they go. So they show up to the elders and they're like, here's what happened. And the elders are like, oh, we're going to pay you off. Just like they paid Judas off. They have a particular way of doing things. They want to, to have a particular life. They want the world to change in their way. And so they are going to do whatever means necessary, whether that's lying or paying off. They are making bargains. They are bargaining to keep how they want the world to change, how they want their circumstances to go, which is not so different from the way that we make this bargain of, well, when, when I get that job, when 
I get a certain amount of money when I get through school, when I have a particular re relationship, then, right? All of those things that we think have to happen, those list of things that only when those things happen, can we then be at peace? Can we then be filled with joy? Can we then know love? Can we then be healthy? Can we then know our worth? Can we then, can we then rest? Can we then celebrate? It's the same bargain, just a little bit different way of handling it. But it's that sense, right? That we want particular circumstances. We want to control particular things. We want it to work out in a particular way that maybe has nothing to do with God. That has nothing to do that love cannot die that has nothing to do with us beginning to take steps in new ways in new possibilities because the women that's also the the other difference here right the women are leaving space for new possibilities in their life whereas the guards and the elders they have been like no like it can only be this way only then will we be happy only then will we be content. The women are making space for possibility. And so to think about that for ourselves, of how the Easter story is meant to challenge us of making possibilities of, wait a minute, if I want a life that is thriving, if I want a life that is healthy, if I want these relationships to be wonderful and love-filled, if I want to find peace, if I want to be joy-filled, maybe, maybe there's a different direction to be taken. And Jesus is about to give us something as to how that begins to work, how we can begin to take that journey. Verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of this present age. All right, so here, the beginning of now the 11 disciples. Uh, right here, the, the 11 disciples that are mentioned are the apostles. So all apostles are disciples, not all disciples are apostles. The apostles, there were 12, but because of Judas and his betrayal and then his actions after that, uh, he is no longer present with them. And so here the 11 show up and Jesus gives them this last moment with him, even though it's kind of like, people are like, I still don't know what's going on. Like, is that Jesus? Is this part of God? What is this? Here we get where Jesus gives them this teaching, and it's kind of an interesting one to think about. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And we may be going, okay, that's a whole lot of religious speak. 
And what does that actually mean? So if the Easter story does change us, how does it change us? And here Jesus gives us that sense. When he says, go out and make disciples, disciple means student. Literally, it just means student. And when we think about what a student is, a student is one who not only absorbs information, who says, okay, I take into this teaching, but now begins to gain a different perspective of the world around them and begins to have more understanding of how to work in the world, how to be. And so here with Jesus talking about go out and make disciples according to him, it's that sense of helping to give people this perspective of how did Jesus live? How does Jesus try to get us to live? And how do we not only absorb that, but how do we begin to live that on a daily basis? How do we begin to react differently in the workplace? How do we begin to treat one another in our homes? How are we engaging with our friends that is actually reflecting what Jesus is saying? And Jesus is, if we go through all of the stories which are so rich in these things of healing, of strengthening, of encouragement, of helping people to feel like they belong, to know their worth, of saying, wait a minute, you are loved, you are forgiven, of peace, right? We could start going through all of those stories as in, as we're picking through of going, wait a minute, okay, so that's how Jesus did it. So then how do I begin to reflect that even when the circumstances aren't what I want them to be? How do I begin to live into no matter what is swirling around. Because as a student, not only do we absorb, but we begin to react, we begin to participate, we begin to have words that are different because of Jesus' teachings than what we had before. And then this sense of baptizing. Go out and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And we may be like, okay, that sounds really religious. And it is, baptism is one of those sacraments that it's supposed to bring us into community with one another. Baptism, Jesus is talking about here, baptism is about bringing people together. We live in a really lonely world, right? We sit behind our computers, we sit on social media, we keep scrolling through, and the more that we are connected online, the more we seem to be disconnected and feel isolated. We can even be surrounded by people and feel isolated. And here, Jesus is giving the teaching of baptizing is about bringing people into community, becoming in relationship with people that we may have never expected or experienced otherwise. All of us want to be accepted, right? Have you ever wanted to be accepted? Have you ever wanted to feel like you belong Have you ever felt like you didn't? And here, Jesus is like, no, we gotta bring people together. We gotta bring people together in community so that we can encourage one another. We can love one another. We can show each other that peace. We can give each other that grace and forgiveness that we can begin to live in new ways that we are not alone on this journey of life. We are not alone. Sometimes that loneliness creeps in, but here Jesus is reminding us that no matter our circumstances, 
We absolutely aren't alone. And then this last one, he says, of teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Jesus gave the commandment to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And he, it's pretty clear. We hear it in Matthew. We get it again in John, uh, this whole sense of loving one another. That is what he commands us to do. And when we're thinking about his teachings, they all come back to that. And if we're wondering, well, how do you do it even when somebody isn't so nice? There's a teaching for that. When we're like, well, wait a minute, what about when somebody has wronged us? How do I handle that? Or how do I handle... Jesus usually has something, a way of thinking through, a way of challenging us in our responses, in our ways of engagement, because he is consistent throughout everything, how he heals, how he encourages, how he loves, how he wants peace, how he is all about forgiveness and joy, living into how God has created us in joy for peace, how created us in love for peace and joy. And so to hold on to that, of going, okay, how did Jesus show it when? If we begin to look through all of the different gospel readings, we begin to find little snippets here and there of how do we begin to navigate. And so that sense of that we are never alone. And where he says, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the age, that, that his presence is forever there with us, going with us. He made the, the great teaching of whenever you do it to the least of these, you do it to me, that sense of seeing Jesus in everyone that we meet so that we begin to live into our circumstances, our situations with the heart of Easter with a heart that says love cannot die. Finishing up in Acts 1 verses 12 through 14. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they entered the city, they went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, Alphaeus' son, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, James's son. All were united in their devotion to prayer, along with some women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So we now have them coming together. Doesn't mean they still totally understand what has happened, how their world has really changed, but they're doing it together. They are not in isolation. They are praying with one another. They're trying to encourage. They're trying to have conversations. They're trying to process it. Okay, how does this begin to work? How does it begin to look? How has this changed my life? And what's interesting, right? Not only do we have the apostles gathered, which maybe we'd kind of expect that, but we also have Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers present that they are all coming together to try to encourage and discern, to try to figure out what in the world is going on. What do we need to do? How do we need to live now? And 
you know, we think about Mary, right? She's at the foot of the cross. She's seeing her son die, which that in itself is cruelty, uh, excruciatingly painful, right? We can only imagine her grief. Uh, and then, right, now something has changed. Something is different. And now they're all trying to make sense of it. And here she decides she's going to be in community with those that Jesus was closest to, to try to figure this out. What does this mean going forward for all of us? And that's not an easy question to ask that every Easter. What does that mean? What does Easter mean for all of us? What does it mean that love cannot die? What does it mean that Christ's presence continues with us every day through the end of the present age? What does it mean to live that way? And it's not an easy answer. And there are some difficulties because it requires behavioral changes, different ways of thinking, different perspectives of different ways of seeing the world around us. And so here we've got this sense though that there's something powerful about us coming together, about us praying together, encouraging one another, loving, showing that peace, trying to wrestle with all the ways that this looks in the context that we find ourselves, but that we aren't alone. And so as we think about, as we struggle with, all right, how does, how does my life, how do I begin to live well? How, how do we begin, right, as the title of this says, the power of the resurrection, how you can make the most of your life. How do I begin to make the most of my life with this story? How does it begin to change how I live into my circumstances to give me a different perspective? How does it begin to change you in ways that maybe you thought impossible? that bring a greater sense of thriving, of peace, of love, of joy, of being able to celebrate even when our circumstances haven't changed. How might we be challenged by this story to begin to go, wait a minute, I'm gonna stop waiting for the world to change. Today I'm going to Today I'm gonna to try, I'm going to live through, and how might we encourage one another by it? Because Easter isn't just about how it changes us as individuals, but it begins to challenge us in how we share that out with others. How we begin to not only change the way we engage with the world, but it begins to change others around us. And so how might these words, how might this story be much bigger than the food we are gonna eat today, the candy that we may be digging into? How might this story be so much bigger that it really does help us change the way it makes our life really matter in this world because we are able to live into through our circumstances with a whole different mindset 
with a different way of living and being in the world. How will this story change you today? Amen.